Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. On today's episode, I'm talking with Sarah and Daryl. I got to know them about six years ago when we became neighbors. Sarah and I would have lunch, and I specifically remember this one lunch she shared with me, how she was struggling to get pregnant. And I was so inspired by her raw vulnerability about her journey. Infertility is something that lots of people struggle with. However, it's just not something that people love to talk about. So I knew I wanted to have a conversation with Sarah and Daryl on this podcast. Here it is. Okay, so let's just jump in and tell me just about y'all's journey with infertility. Okay, well, I'll kind of tell all the facts and then the underlying emotions. So basically, we got married, and I feel like I hear a lot of people say what we said of, well, we're going to wait a little while to start trying to have kids. So we waited a little while and started trying, and nothing happened. And there were, eh, it was probably about seven months or so. We were both in our thirties. So we thought, Hey, we're not getting any younger. Let's just go check and see if everything's working. Okay. Um, so I had a test done to see if I ovulate and also the one where they kind of flush your tubes out to make sure everything's working. Also, we, uh, Daryl had his test done and everything was fine. And so we were kind of, it was that weird, like, yay. And also, well, then what? you know, like you kind of want something to be wrong. So there's a solution maybe, but anyway, um, then my doctor suggested that I might have endometriosis. And so the only way to find out if you have it is to have surgery, uh, which blows my mind with all of our medical advances. Uh, but we chose to do the surgery and as it turned out, I did have endometriosis and a lot of it. And that could be a reason, um, that someone may not be getting pregnant is endometriosis. And so once that was removed, we were faced with a decision of, do we do one more step of treatment, which was a six month long uh, shot. And it was like one every month, or do we just immediately go back to starting to try? And we decided to start trying again because it seemed like, um, you know, I had just had my surgery. Everything was in our favor. Um, but we still weren't getting pregnant after about four months. And so at that point we decided to do the shot. And um, so that was a six month process. And during that time, it actually made my body kick into temporary menopause. And so, you know, biologically um, there was no way we could get pregnant during that six months, which was a really strange time. And kind of, you know, when God is your God and he's the God of the impossible, I would say I always had a sliver of hope of like, but he could still do it. I know he can, but, you know, he chose not to during that time. And um, anyway, and so then after the shot was over, um, you know, we kind of waited for my body to reset. And then we started trying again. <laughs> um, so All of this was about a two year journey for us. Um, so which that is was just kind of, so long. I, I guess it kind of depends on who your friends are and what experiences you've seen people walk through. But I think a lot of times, like you don't even realize, like, wait, because a lot of times people don't talk about it. 
So right. you just think they got pregnant. Like it, it's something right. that just happens quickly or, you know, yes. so I don't know. Was it something that y'all were surprised that you struggled with? Yes. So I would say I, um, kind of, well, so I, if I were to quantify how long I waited for a husband, I would say 13 years, um, <laughs> just adding up college after college and like, Daryl, where were you? I know, right? <laughs> I was being conformed to the man I needed to be. There we go. <laughs> anyway. And so I, I really went into our marriage thinking like, I would say, oh, well, you know, I mean, we don't know what our story will be with like having kids. And I would say that out loud. And in my heart, I believed God is not going to make me wait for that. He, I already had to wait 13 years for a husband. Like he owes this to me, you know? And so when this started happening, I was like, are are you serious, Lord? Like I, I realized some entitlement that I was dealing with and, and then it became this very emotional thing, like a roller coaster, but also a really, um, revealing like spiritual thing where my heart was because I was grappling with the fact that I know God is good. Like Psalm 119.68, you are good and what you do is good. So I know that God is good. And it also says in the word that like children are a gift. And so I'm going, okay, so children are a gift and God is good. But are you telling me that his good for like everyone else may not be his good for me right now? forever like I mean you know and so it kind of drove me to my knees of like like do I really believe that God is good no matter what happens Um, do I want him or do I want a change in my circumstance so yeah yes Daryl would you say you had like some of the same questions about God uh no our our journeys were very different uh when it comes down to it I mean it was something we were certainly in together, but it was really in so many ways, her journey. Uh, we were together and I was going to certainly support her through it and care for her in it. But sort of that emotional, uh, you know, roller coaster, I was not dealing with that at all. Um, you know, and I was really kind of on the outside looking in, in many ways, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what I should be doing and, and all that. So, I, I mean, I re- really just, you know, felt bad for her because, yeah. you know, I, I saw it in the same sense that, man, she is a, a great girl who's been so faithful to God. And it's like, you know, where is he right now? Why does she have to go through this? Yeah. You know, that wasn't so much about me and, and, and my longings or anything like that. It was really about just seeing the, the pain and struggle that she went through. Yeah. And something that you don't have the ability to fix. Correct. You know, Absolutely. Do you think, do you think that's pretty typical in, in couples for the, like the journey to feel like that? I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later, probably about uh, uh, Shiloh, but I remember sitting in the meeting after we had gone through our experience and we were actually one of the table leaders uh, at uh, one of the coffees they put together. I remember the pain on a, a, a guy's face as he was talking about how he would go, he was like a medical sales rep or something like that. And he would go to OBGYN offices and it just tore him apart. So, you know, I'm sure there's a, a, I think, you know, probably typically fit the stereotypical boxes, but there's obviously, obviously exceptions. And, you know, I had thought about what would it be like if it was a male infertility issue, it would have been very different. You know, it was more like if it was my fault, <laughs> I'm sure I would have been approaching it much different. Uh, so, 
uh, since it was an issue with endometriosis and all that, it was more just about, you know, supporting her, but it, I'm sure it would have been a totally different picture if it was a male infertility issue. Yeah. Which brings up an interesting point. Like Sarah, did you feel like you carried that? Like, Oh, it's my, my issue or something like that. Uh, a little bit. I think I just kind of kept being like, God, like, why, what are you doing? Because I know that you are God of our bodies and like you created us and, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, like you're the God of the impossible. And, you know, I, I was reading the different accounts of women in the Bible who faced infertility and, you know, um, I would struggle because God would often, you know, send an angel of the Lord to them or something, the angel of the Lord and be like, you're going to have a baby. And I'm like, can I have one of those? (laughs) Send one to me, please. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. Yes. Um, So you know, I, I would say I didn't, I didn't so much feel like it was my fault as I did. Like, I think I looked more of like, is there something I could do to earn this? Like, are you withholding this from me, Lord? Cause I'm not faithful enough or because I feel entitled to it or something like that. So yeah. 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 Which to that, <laughs> to answer my own question, no, like God, I, I realized, you know, God, like we can't even earn our salvation. And that is the greatest gift he could ever give us more than, more than children. And so, you know, how much more can we not earn, you know, a a child? What were helpful things you guys did in the midst of it? Um, Well, we're part of a small group, we call it a community group. And so I think just continually processing with them and sharing for me, you know, during our girl time, like what I was dealing with, um, And talking about it and not acting like I'm fine or, you know, not, I'm not dealing with it. Um, which it was hard to talk about because a lot of them were getting pregnant or, you know, they would be like, Oh, well, we want to get pregnant in, you know, the fall so we can have a baby and whenever. And I'm like, well, well, I want to, me too. (laughs) You know, like how come I can't just speak this into existence? And Lamentations 337 says, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? And I had to quickly learn that like, hey, even when my friends say something and it actually seems to happen, like it was God's plan all along. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. uh, That is so good. Yeah. It often can feel like, well, that happened because they did this, this, and this, but uh that it's because God always intended it to be that way. Yeah. Yes. And then I did a Bible study called Shiloh um, through our church, and it was um, so helpful. It it brought a lot of scripture for me to meditate on, to memorize, to cling to, um, and highlighted a lot of accounts in the Bible of women walking through infertility. And it was helpful to be in a room with other women dealing with infertility or miscarriage, um, you know, and some might think, wouldn't that be so depressing to be surrounded by people all set? But it's not. It's encouraging to go, man, I'm not alone. Like God is with me. And also others are, are walking through yeah. this. Well, the, the, yeah. the enemy wants you to think you're, you're alone. Yes. You know, you're the only one that, you know, you've done something wrong or whatever. And to be with other women, they're like, no, we're going through this too. Yes. So yeah. Shiloh, it's, it's a ministry at your church. But anybody, anybody yeah. in the Dallas area could go. Anyone can do it. It's okay. open to anybody. Yeah. And then they had a panel night before she even jumped in there. 
And uh, for me, it was just very eye-opening uh, because, you know, you just, again, you don't realize how many people really struggle with yeah. and, and all those sort of things. Yeah. And so there was that aspect of it. Hey, we are not alone uh, in this. And then also just seeing the, the weight that people carried uh, because she was the only one that I saw carry this weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing these people that there's lots of them and they're still, you know, uh, having a difficult time, even with struggles from the past. So it wasn't just uh, this one-time thing, okay, I'm done. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, this is a continual thing for some people. So it was just very eye-opening for me to, to be able to go to that. So y'all both went to Shiloh? Well, this was a, this was a panel night. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> After that, people could get familiar with it and find out what, what it's about. Okay. He jumped into the Bible study. And then after she had gone through it, they actually have started a kind of like jokingly call it Gilo <laughs> but <laughs> for, for the uh, for the husbands that are going through it also yeah uh, I would say looking back that was one thing that I don't think I did as well as I should have I I wanted to learn how to respond well but I think there was opportunity to, to lead better in that really because I was so focused on okay how can I how can I respond well not how can I initiate and just kind of jump in with her uh, and lead her through that so I think it's a great opportunity for folks yeah that's great. What other things? Yeah. Um, you know, I think just talking with others who had similar experiences when I started sharing, Hey, I'm walking through this, even if a friend wasn't walking through it, but if they knew someone that had, they would maybe connect me with that person. And I found myself on the couch of some random girl, like who had the same, you know, similar story, had endometriosis, you know, and she just let me come over and she listened to my story. She shared hers, prayed with me. It was just helpful. And then I think really just being honest with God, you know, I think of the story of Hannah and how she wept bitterly before the Lord. And she was changed at the end of her prayer, but not because she was pregnant. It's because she spent time with God. And that for me was huge. That's such a great story. Yes. I remember this is a little thing, but I remember you guys, y'all like went on some fun vacations, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we took full advantage of the opportunity of kids, and that's all gone. <laughs> no, no more vacations now. Kids no. and other things in, in yeah. our life. We, at the did. Moment. we went to like Hawaii. We did a, we went to Kansas City just to eat barbecue. Yes. Like, you know, and just kind of. Why I not? I spe- <laughs> yeah, I specifically remember being like, man, they do some really fun things, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So it doesn't have to steal every bit of your joy, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. we talked a little bit about it, but it sounds like y'all processed all of this very differently. What were the challenges in processing those things differently? Well, for me, as far as how I was processing it. I, I really, I knew the definition of infertility, but I didn't really like accept it in a sense. And it wasn't from a denial standpoint. I just, you know, was just kind of waiting for the next step. I wasn't jumping ahead five steps and be like, what if, what if, what if it was just like, okay, we have this going on. Let's do the first test and see how it goes. Okay. That went well. Let's see about the next one. Uh, so I was never in that, I guess, mode of feeling like we had infertility. Uh, and really it wasn't, I mean, it probably, unless we had to go to get IUI or IVF, that was sort of my definition of infertility. It's like, okay, we have now arrived and we have infertility. So there's medical, potential medical causes along the way that were fixable. So I was like, okay, until that is fixed or unless that's figured out, 
I'm not going to really accept that, that definition. And again, I knew, knew the definition of infertility, but just, I think I've looked at it from that lens. So it's a little bit different for me. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I, I felt all the things, <laughs> um, and felt all the feelings of, yes, we are dealing with infertility. We, you know, we can't get pregnant. Like what's wrong. And I did take it five steps ahead in my mind. And, but I would say for me, as far as processing or the challenges, you know, he wasn't processing it or dealing with it like I was. And so when I would share, like pour out my heart, like, Oh, you know, and he would listen, but maybe not respond with like, you know, how a girlfriend would have like, Oh, that I'm so sorry. You know? Oh, and so I had to quickly realize like, just cause he's not responding how I am. Doesn't mean he doesn't care. Yes. I can't equate the two. It's, it's unfair. Cause I was, I was putting this expectation on him of like, you need to respond how I am. And that shows that you care about this. And um, so I think going to that panel night that he referenced earlier, helped me realize like, we're going to respond differently and that's okay. We could, we both still care about this. And it, and it was really hard for me to connect to her emotionally. Like I, I'm not feeling what she's feeling and, uh, and I'm still learning how to do a better job <laughs> with that sort of stuff. Anyway, Isn't that like a lifetime of <laughs> the marriage. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, th that was a, just a huge hurdle. Uh, but one thing that really helped me out, I was just thinking about it and it kind of hit me that, Hey, what it would it look like if I, I lost my job? I wasn't able to find one, no matter how hard I tried and just couldn't support my family. Like I, I'm really feel like I'm called to and what weight would that carry? And once I hit that point in time and kind of realized that I was like, okay, I was able to be more empathetic towards her at that point in time and say, Hey, that is tough. Uh, so I think that was like, uh, again, another eye opening thing for me. Yeah. Because it, when you really feel called, like I really feel like I'm supposed to be a mom and you can't, it's like, I'm, we're trying, like, I don't, that that is a really, I mean, it's a, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's, it's a great connection for like a husband to think this is why it's like someone saying you can't do your job anymore. You can't mm -hmm. do what you were called to do anymore. You know, man. I mean, I would just say also it's challenging because it's all happening to my body. And so trying to communicate like, Oh, I'm feeling this, or this is going on emotionally, but also physically, you know, I'm walking around every day wondering, Oh, you know, am I pregnant? Is this what it feels like? Oh no, no. It's just time of the month again, you know, and just this grief cycle within a grief cycle. And so, you know, it was, it's just challenging to walk around all the time and feel sad and not let it define you. But also you want to be honest with your husband, but it's like, how much is too much? And, you know, so just trying to figure out how, what's the best way to communicate and share without like, always talking about it every minute of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's constant. You can't like. Can't just turn it off. Turn it off. Yeah. yeah. Which I think that's another reason going through the, the Bible study was helpful because there were other women there and we could connect and then realize like, okay, we're going home to our husbands and like we can share with them too, but they're not our only person who's listening yeah. to us. Yeah. That's good. Okay, 
y'all have said a lot of things about this, which I love, but in what ways did y'all experience Jesus through this? Looking back, the best way I can communicate that would be just to tell a quick story. I um, remember in the midst of this going to a gender reveal for a friend and I got home and Daryl was at work. So I had the house all to myself and I was feeling all the feels like coming right out of that little party and just feeling like mad and sad and hopeful and hurt and heartbroken and everything. And again, no one was home. So I just let it out. I was like walking around our house going like, ah! like literally oh, screaming yeah. like, at God, yeah. <laughs> um, just screaming. Yeah. And, and then I just like started weeping oh. and there were no words just yeah. kind of like, like, I, you know, one of those moments of like, I think, like, I don't even know what to say right now because I know God's loving, but this doesn't feel loving. Like, how do I reconcile this? And, um, after the weeping, I got up off the floor and just like journaled and prayed and listened to music. And there really, there was a piece, um, that passed understanding and I can't explain it. And it, it is not anything that another human could have offered me. Like, I really believe Jesus met me in that moment. And, and save me from like deep, 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 dark despair. You yeah. know, I, there were moments of despair and moments of darkness, but like he, he met me there and I'm like, I'm not alone. Like he is in this with me. And it was that moment of like, I was changed, but not because any circumstance had changed. And I, like it truly is. only because I was like so raw and honest before the Lord and, and he showed up, you know, like yeah. he was, he was there. Yeah. The story, you know, the Hannah, the priest thinks she's drunk, doesn't? Because she's acting so crazy. (laughs) I was crazy. Literally screaming in my house, like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I just, you know, wow. Yeah. Let it out. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think the the other way I would say is, you know, I think about John 15, 5 that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And couple that with Romans 12, 15, it says rejoice with those who rejoice. And it is hard to rejoice with those who are getting what you want, you know, when you're not getting it over and over again. And, you know, I think it is, it's definitely okay to not go to a baby shower or, you know, something, but I couldn't play the victim forever, you know? And at some point I want to be able to rejoice with my friends also, even though I'm grieving. And so, you know, experiencing him enabling me to truly rejoice when I'm with a friend who's sharing she's pregnant or at a baby shower, you know, and then be able to come home and process that. But I I think he really did help me kind of look beyond myself in that moment, in a moment to be able to. So practically, what, what, what does that look like? What would that look like for you? Because it's like, yes, yes, I want to rejoice with her. Like, I'm, I am excited for her, but my heart's in pain. So what did that look like for you to rely on Jesus to do that? Somebody starts talking about, well, we're, we're going to start trying, you know, and I'm like, okay, here comes the conversation. Lord, Lord, help me. Help my face right now. Help it look kind. What does it even look like? Like, help my eyes be kind give me a smile. That's genuine. You know, like I think that whole passage in Romans starts with like, love must be sincere. And I'm like, God, right now it's not sincere right now. I feel so fake. Will you just help me through this time? I mean, it's like a constant prayer in my head 
trying to take up all my thoughts instead of like, I can't believe she's getting what I want. She gets everything. She even has those cute clothes that I want. I mean, <laughs> I can spiral fast, you know? Oh, yeah. And so it really is taking those thoughts captive and immediately being like, God help me right now. Like, or it's going, okay, what was my memory verse this week from our Bible study? And just like on repeat going, okay, like blessed are all who wait for you, God, you're a God of justice, like Isaiah 30, 28. And so just immediately interrupting those thoughts. That's great. Daryl, how did you experience Jesus through this? Yeah, I, I would say it was mostly about being conformed <laughs> to the husband I'm supposed to be. That's <laughs> uh, probably what I, was my experience. And, you know, just need to learn. And like I said earlier, just need to continue to learn how to uh, live with her in an understanding way. And it was just an opportunity to be more empathetic, uh, you know, seek to understand where she was coming from and just to love and lead her well. So that, that's, it wasn't some great spiritual awakening for me. It's just like, hey, you're an idiot. You need to do a better job. So <laughs> that's what it was for me. You're not an idiot. So oh. you, Daryl, you talked a little, you mentioned like, Looking back, you wish you had been, what was the word you used? You wish you had been like, taken initiative. So what would that have looked like to take more initiative? Well, something that's basic is probably asking how she is doing. <laughs> I was really just kind of sitting around and if she wanted to talk about it, I, I would be there for her. Yeah. And, I mean, that was a struggle at times, but just saying, hey, I'm willing to jump in and be uncomfortable to let her mm. know that I, I love and care about her. Um, I think, uh, just memorizing the scripture, like she was going through that class and memorizing that scripture with her and being able to, you know, have that scripture available to her anytime she was going through a difficult time. Yeah. It's in, I think, I mean, I don't want to, you know, stereotype or generalize, but I think typically the, the male doesn't want to go like, Hey, how are you doing? Because they don't want like, I don't want to stir up something if it's not, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't want to open that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and not because you don't want to love your wife. I don't think it's that. I think it's, you're just like, I don't want to open it if it's not needing to be opened. But it's really interesting, like, what that would look like for a, for the husband to go, hey, I'm just checking in. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and be willing to go there. Um mm-hmm. That couldn't have hurt. Yeah. 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 Okay. So for someone who hasn't gone through infertility, what would you like for them to know? Ask and don't assume. Okay. Just a general principles. For example, if you are starting to try for kids and you have a friend walking through infertility, let them know, you know, like, Hey, in the event that we do become pregnant, how would you like to find out? What would be the best way to care for you? You know, a lot of people may say, hey, I would love to know before you announce it to a big group that That's I'm good, a part yeah. of. You know, for me, I wanted to know with the group because I felt I felt different enough already. I didn't want another instance of feeling like, oh, they took this extra step for me. I just want to be normal. You know, yeah, like it's yeah, how it yeah. felt. But, I think that's more in the minority Um, or another thing is like, ask the person, you know, do you want to talk about it? How are you doing? I would say there was a point when I told the girls in my group, Hey, I just need a break from talking about it right now. You know? And so, um, and they were like, okay, like, please let us know when you're ready again. Like we want to support you however we can. And, um, you know, I think also just not assuming that if, 
the they do get pregnant like the couple dealing with infertility if they do get pregnant it's not like it all goes away all of a sudden and everything's better you know like it's still hard um and so again just asking instead of assuming oh this must be how they're feeling yeah it's always helpful yeah that's good so there is a guide on um our church's website that is written specifically for it's written to both the couple walking through infertility and miscarriage and others who want to love them well. And so it has a lot of helpful. Yeah. Um, I can link, I'll link those in the okay, show notes. I can, I can okay. link it. Yeah. That's awesome. Might be helpful. Um, okay. So y'all, y'all did get pregnant yeah, and you have two adorable children. So what did it feel like? To find out that you were pregnant. Well, uh, the morning we found out, I was uh, going to uh, to work on an early shift, and I was in the kitchen about to leave. And Sarah walks in, and she has this bit of a bewildered look on her face. And just got a second, like, what's going on? And then she like her, she started shaking, and like held out the. Uh, <laughs> uh, she held off the uh, pregnancy test showing she was pregnant. And I was just so happy for her and for us uh, and just really didn't have any words uh, to say. So I just put her, took her in my arms and we just started slow dancing in the kitchen at 5.50 <laughs> in the morning. So um, it was a pretty, pretty great memory. Yeah. Oh, and then you had to go to work with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. We were actually about to go on one of those great trips <laughs> to Hawaii. Yes. yes. So I was taking a pregnancy test because I thought, do I need to pack all this stuff? Yeah. I'm probably not. You know, like, I mean, I literally didn't even tell him I was taking it because I was like, what's the point? Like, I'm never pregnant. And yeah. so it was a total like, what? And and I, I mean, just kind of like awe and like, God did this. Yeah. And then it was not long before the fear set in and just like, yeah. what if something happens? We've waited so long. Like, what is this even real? Like I, I kind of expected to miscarry, you know, just kind of as like punishment for doubting that God could be so kind to us, you know, I mean, just like, um, and so I, I quickly had to like armor myself with like, Hey, all the days ordained are written in your book. And so Psalm 139, 16. And so this day was written like, and if this child's life is going to end before we get to meet him or her, like that day is like, I have got to trust God. And then John 14, 27, that says, peace, I live with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. And I was, I was like very prone to letting my heart be troubled. And so just going, no, God, like you did this. And today I am pregnant. So let's rejoice and be glad. And yeah. Oh, do yeah. you feel like your trust in God has just like grown like tremendously? I mean, yes. So yes, I think that, um, my, my faith muscles of like, okay, these are my verses that I can yeah. cling to. Um, and then honestly, there are times I have trouble going, God, are you going to be faithful here? Cause like, this is a different circumstance. I know. And it's like, he's like, same God. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, how many times do I have to do this? You know, I, mean, I think it's important to note also, even if we did not ever get pregnant, mm-hmm. he is still faithful. Yeah, it is true that you could have never gotten pregnant. You, you could have gotten pregnant and miscarried. Like it, these are 
the end result is not, I, I think it's the journey that, that allows you to know Jesus. Yes, I agree. Okay. Do you think, you know, your journey, like, does it, does it impact your parenting now at all? Yeah, def- definitely does. Uh, you know, we are so grateful for the girls that we have. Uh, and it's kind of weird to think about, like, if we didn't go through infertility, we would have had different kids. <laughs> so it's kind of a weird thing to think about, like, that hey, is weird. Uh, yeah, we would, we would have <laughs> loved those kids so awesome. But uh, so, so, yeah. so, you know, we love them so much. Uh, but just thinking about our life without the two girls that we have is just unfathomable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just yeah. a reminder that God's timing is perfect. Uh, but when it comes to parenting, you know, just, just very grateful for the girls that we have. And yeah. uh, I, I wanted boys, uh, <laughs> but have two girls and, and God always has it figured out. So just so grateful for the girls that we have and, and really just allows, uh, you know, more patience and just a reminder that God's timing is perfect. Yeah. You know what? That's so, I mean, I'm sure the thought has crossed my mind. It's not, but it's like, it is true that like, if you get pregnant at a different time, it's mm-hmm. different children. Crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's like your girls are in your family because that was the time that God wanted you guys to have. I mean, I mean, that's really amazing. Um, okay. Any last words of wisdom or things from your experience or anything you want to share? I think just reminding people that they are not alone mm-hmm. and finding other people that are going through that as well. Uh, and just, uh, yeah, encouraging each other through that. Yeah. And I would just say, I think my mantra through all of this was Isaiah 30, 28, that says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And it so often doesn't feel fair, mm-hmm. but the word says God is a God of justice. And so that is where our hope is and you know it says blessed are all who wait for the lord not blessed are all who have whatever it is that you think you want and having to go back to that truth and like over and over again write it on your heart because that is what sustained me the most through this time and and still does sarah and daryl referred to shiloh a resource for individuals struggling with infertility as well as some really great Bible verses. So I've listed all of those in the show notes so that you can be reminded of them. Sarah referred to the story of Hannah, and it's in 1 Samuel. And Hannah has trouble getting pregnant. And Hannah's so distraught about this that she runs to the temple and lays every emotion before God, so much so that Eli the priest thinks she's drunk. Yes, he like calls her out on it. It's unbelievable what happens after she pours every bit of her heart out to God and she relinquishes control of her circumstances. It says in 1 Samuel 1:18 that her face was no longer downcast. There was a change in her spirit, not because her circumstances changed, but because she gave it all up to God. And that's a truth for all of us. Whether you're struggling to get pregnant or your baby is not sleeping, or your three-year-old is giving you absolute fits. I mean, we all have these things. Your child is struggling in some way. Wherever you are, you too have the opportunity, like Sarah did, to take every pain, worry, stress to God. 
And while your circumstances may not immediately change, God will give you a peace that passes all understanding, and He will give you everything you need. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation, and thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilasseter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.